0: Welcome to the Pursuing Perspective podcast in connection with the Warrior Project and sponsored in part by the Medjucos Health Institute. This podcast brings together people who actively pursue healing and growth on their journey and want to help others do the same. It is not just another bank of ideas from experts in their field, but is also a place that includes paths for practical application to shift both beliefs and behaviors for the purpose of progression. It's about knowing where you're at and how to get to where you want to be hello friends I'm so happy that you're here I am your host Chantelle Thaxton Blake this is episode 26 battling fear the connection between our fear response and the victim triangle we've been talking about the victim triangle for a couple of episodes now and those roles that we play and how it shows up in our lives just as a quick review it's a model of human interaction identified by psychiatrist Stephen Cartman this is Um, relationship, this interaction is one that is often played out unconsciously. We've explored in the previous episodes, what can facilitate our entering the triangle and the thoughts and beliefs that keep us there. In the next episode, the final one in this series on moving from victim to victor, I will share with you tools that we have created and been working on to help identify when we are playing the roles and how to move out of them. But we need to explore first a critical connection as to what drives it if we are to truly be able to move out of it. In episode 22, we talked about the automatic responses to stress of fight, flight, and freeze. These behaviors, responses to a perceived threat, are driven by fear. They are driven by our very base survival instincts of self-preservation and avoidance of pain. As I've researched and worked with these roles of the victim triangle, particularly in the recent weeks, and, and it just became so clear to me that connection of those responses to fear, it just it came to light as I was doing the work on these areas. Each response, each one of those fear responses can be associated with the common behaviors of each of the roles in the victim triangle. It was like a light bulb clicked for me to understand the reason behind those behaviors, which can give us the clarity and the competency to respond differently. So that's what I'd like to explore today quickly, um, to just be able to make that connection so that what we're doing with the tools and as we're wrapping this up in the next episode, that we're able to really get to the core pieces and drivers as to why this is happening to really make that lasting behavior change. So let's look first at the responses, those responses to fear, and then we'll look at their connection to the roles in the victim triangle. So the fight, flight, freeze response is our body's natural reaction to danger. It isn't a conscious decision, but an automatic response, which means one that we seemingly can't control. And it's true, you know, it takes, you know, they've identified in research once that, that we have that full physiological response of either fight, flight, or freeze within that, um, activating, you know, both our sympathetic and our parasympathetic nervous system, one being more than another, depending on the, the situation itself, it takes about 20 to 30 minutes for us to kind of come down from that. But so often we stay in that state or go into it more often than we need to with perceived threats that aren't really threats. Um, So let's talk about kind of what's happening from a physiological response and why we need to make sure that we're not staying in that. So Nunes and Leg, in an article in Healthline identified that specifically fight or flight is an active defense response where you fight or flee. Your heart rate gets faster, which increases oxygen flow to your major muscles. Your pain perception drops and your hearing sharpens. These changes help you act appropriately and rapidly to keep us alive, right? These are basic survival instincts. Freezing is actually fight or flight on hold where you further prepare to protect yourself. It's also called reactive immobility or attentive immobility. It involves similar physiological changes, but instead you stay completely still and get ready for the next move. When the danger is close, we are more likely to fight or flee, be more of that active defensive response when the danger is a little bit further away we we often freeze as we gather more information or sometimes it just takes us a minute to make those connections to look at our surroundings and say is there a way to escape do i need to fight what does that look like a lot of times in that state of freeze we're trying to even avoid detection and weigh out our options so and i I think about this in acute situations of where we're really physically in danger That's so helpful to have everything heightened to kind of calm down for a second in that freeze state and help us look at, you know, what our best option is going to be. What's interesting, though, is when we cannot fight or flee, we can stay in that state of freezing. And when we stay in that state of freezing and then something happens to us that's traumatic and pain and or painful um, where we experience defeat and, you know, trauma, abuse, whatever that is, we can create this learned help, helpless, learned helplessness, where it's like we have no control of the situation. We can't even, you know, fight or or flee. And so we can get stuck in this. This is what really can actually lead us to a continual victim mentality, which is the first connection I made back in episode twenty two. But as I explored the specific roles, um, I could see specifically how um, these were connected. So while the fight-flight-freeze response causes physiological reactions, it's actually triggered by a psychological fear. So it's that fear that's in our head, all these things we've been talking about. The fear is conditioned based on negative experiences. So when those experiences, like I talked about, were traumatic, you know, abuse, disaster, accidents, profound loss um, intense pain, then those responses are even more automatic and create an exaggerated stress rep- response. This was really frustrating for me. I remember, I remember like feeling like after I got out of a, an, an acute situation where, um, there was trauma involved that even at the smallest, um, situ like triggering action or situation, my response seemed to be over-exaggerated, like, oh, totally freak out. I'd take this big gasp of breath um, and, and I would just go on heightened alert and it, it wasn't always necessary and it made me so frustrated as to why that was happening and now understanding this and how you know, there's real changes in the brain at that point um, involving the synapses and, and different things that actually just create that connection there that that response is so automatized and so that we have to give ourselves a lot of grace in that and those exaggerated stress responses are more common when we've had those traumatic experiences so even those small events can be perceived as great threats and it makes it difficult to respond rationally and truly our behaviors become more and more driven by fear and you think about how damaging that is to stay in that place what that does to us physiologically, but mentally as well. like To have our adrenaline rushing, to have all of those heightened responses, to feel that stress and anxiety. And if we have anxiety disorders, we're going to be reacting from there all the time. We know from research, the negative effects of prolonged stress. And we stay in that all the time. And especially if we're not able to do anything within it and why it's so important that we understand what's happening and what we can do about it. So let's look at some of the behaviors commonly associated with these fear responses. As I describe them, I want you to think about the roles in the victim triangle and see if you identify any connections. So let's look at fight. Some of the behaviors commonly associated are aggressive emotional outbursts um, in lesser You know, less threatening situations, but just something that's causing stress. Um, Other fight behaviors can be um, very, it's think about taking um, kind of attacking or um, overaction, like multitasking, attempting to do more, and again, that attacking, taking it out on others. So, I also talked about Grace LeConte's work. She's a risk strategist, she works with businesses all the time, and she I love her information on um, the four responses. We're going to talk about the fourth that she brings in that's so invaluable in a minute, but she gets it down to these three key areas identified with each of these responses, the action, the emotion, and the outcomes. So when we look at fight, the action is attack. It's always about attacking. We can attack ourselves. We can attack others. Um, and it's coming from an emotion of anger. And so if you think about that, so that emotion is anger, we're not always in our rational mind and anger. Now, anger has is a purposeful emotion. It lets us know um, oftentimes when we've been dishonored or when action needs to be taken but, when, taken, but when we stay in that emotion and we don't come from a rational mind, when it's just emotion-based and we can be in the cognitive distortions or functioning from self-defeating beliefs, that's when we can cause a lot of damage. And it's interesting with what's going on in our world right now, just even taking this in on what we see, um, there's perceived threats. People are afraid, um, and we're reacting based on these fair responses. We're either fighting or we're fleeing or we're freezing. And it's very understandable when we get to why we do that. But also again, knowing there is a fourth option is going to be so important for us to talk about today for so many reasons. Let's look at flight. It is primarily driven by avoidance. That's the big action there. Avoidance, avoiding dealing with things. Um, And sometimes at a lesser level, when the threat's lesser, that avoidance is often through distraction. You know, we might check our emails or our texts. We keep binge watching TV. We social media scroll. We numb out with drugs or alcohol. Um, We avoid responsibility, so we go and play rather than doing the work. And it's not that that doing some of that in and of itself is negative. It's when it becomes a consistent pattern to avoid dealing because that's going to negatively affect our confidence in dealing with things, which can lead to depression, increased anxiety because we're not doing anything about it. We're running away from the action that Grace LeConte identified is hiding. The emotion is denial so you can think about the negative consequences that can come from continually functioning from those the outcomes are avoid, omit and sabotage so that's really interesting keep those in mind as we come back and compare those to the roles so sabotage self sabotage we do that all the time and when we realize where that's coming from that fear reaction of fleeing um, that helps empower us to know possibly ways to change that in a really powerful way. So freezing, the last one, procrastination or indecision. That's the big driver. It's mindless actions, doing nothing. Um, it's not about how it's like the inaction at first. You know, we talked about it um initially as the initial um, just physiological response it's about gathering information about how to respond but oftentimes we stay in that freeze and we don't do any decision making we just shut down completely and that's where the negative comes in there so the action that grace identified is comply the emotion is shut down and the outcomes are justify and rationalize So do you see any connections there? When you think about what we've been talking about with the persecutor, the rescuer, and the victim, do you see any correlations between those fear reactions? So it helps if we understand that the roles in the victim triangle are driven by fear and need to avoid pain and our unconscious responses based on our experience. So same thing, right? They're driven by fear and need to avoid pain and our unconscious responses based on our experience. The roles might not be automatic. It's not like a physiological response, those roles always, when we're really in those roles. But those behaviors associated with the roles can become automatic the more and more we play them. So let's look at each of those roles and see if we can make that connection. So look at the persecutor. Let's look at that first. Persecutor is one who responds to a perceived threat by attacking driven by anger and feeling justified in their actions because they were hurt. They're all about blaming. Do you see that connection? Like that was when I made that, I was like, holy cow, it is that's their primary. So they are their primary response to a perceived threat, um, driven by fear is to attack the rescuer is one who neglects their own needs and responsibilities by rescuing others. They avoid by helping others avoid. It is about denying what is happening and sabotaging actually by disempowering the victim to keep them dependent. Crazy, right? And we can, we can be rescuers to ourselves where we avoid responsibility in a way that we're actually disempowering ourselves. It keeps us feeling like we can't handle things, which actually is what then spirals us into the victim role. Now, the victim feels powerless to stand up or get away. They feel like they can't do either. They shut down and often comply and then rationalize this response by pointing to their belief that they are not capable to do anything else. That just, again, I was like, wow, yeah, that I see that, right? And to recognize again that we, when we start to see these connections, we can begin to understand that these roles are responses to perceived threats. The responses to fear driven by a base in those base instincts of self-preservation and avoidance of pain. That is the core of what drives us to play those roles in the victim triangle. I want to avoid pain. I need to preserve, like it's that basic instinct of self-preservation to I need to be okay and that means I either need to attack you I need to avoid all of this stuff or I just don't know what to do and I'm going to shut down and and then that creates that learned helplessness and that continued playing of that victim role and, and moving into even just a full victim mentality so when we find ourselves in these roles knowing this and understanding this we can start to ask questions like what am I afraid of What pain am I trying to avoid? What is the perceived threat? So when we start to ask those questions, we're going to start to identify. It's going to help us get to those cognitive distortions and self-defeating beliefs that keep us in these roles that we've started to talk about. We're going to get even clearer on connected to those specific roles next week and tools to move those. So it's helpful to those questions are a great place to start right now when you find yourself in that role. And you say, how am I reacting? Am I fighting? Am I fleeing? Or am I freezing? So what am I afraid of? What is the perceived threat here? Is it really a threat? Is it an acute situation? Well, then, yeah, then those responses are appropriate, right? Or is this an overreaction based on trauma that is now my automatic unconscious response that is locked into place by these cognitive distortions and self-defeating beliefs? Because when we realize that it's the, that more often than not, that becomes not this level of, Oh, like just going into like hopelessness. It's where hope lies. It's that I can change my thoughts. I can change my beliefs, which will change my behaviors. I can show up differently. Um, and And that's just so important to understand that this is really where the hope is, where the light comes in. So It's important to remember, and we've talked about this, how we can in in the role in the triangle, we can play all the roles and, and do it in a very quick time. We can jump from the victim to trying to find our power and go to attacking and and then or we can even rescue our persecutor or avoid things for ourselves. Like we can move in and out of those roles all the time. Same thing with those responses to fear. We can go from fight to this isn't working, I'm going to run to I can't leave, so I'm going to freeze, like we can move through all of those. And that's going to be dependent. And and initially, how we show up in the research on those fear responses, it depends largely on environmental factors, such as, you know, how close is the threat? Is there a way to escape? Do I need to fight? Can I fight? Is it possible for me to fight here? Is that the appropriate reaction? Is that the appropriate reaction? So, While the initial response might be automatic, we can use tools to change that behavior when we're out of the acute situation and create responses that allow us to respond differently when similar situations arise. As Grace LeConte identified, there is a fourth option for response, face. So she had those four, fight, flight, um, freeze, or face. In facing, we actually work through the situation. We consciously respond. We stay conscious and connected in the situation. And she identified one of the outcomes is we actually mitigate or lessen the pain. Interesting. This is one thing I will say that I have took me a long time to learn in my healing journey that the that a lot of times our fear of pain and we're hardwired that way to avoid it. We can do that by sometimes that um, as we get into that fighting response to that, that's when we resist it. We just, nope, I'm fighting against this pain. I'm not going to experience it. I'm not going to do this. And I'm just, and we actually amp it up. Same thing when we try to avoid it, when we flee from it, when we flee from the pain needed for healing or the pain of those emotions and we deny them we just amp them up. They stay there. They don't go away. We've talked about that in early episodes that it's still there and they can create, you know, if they just sit there and and then eventually they'll manifest physically and we can have all sorts of issues if we don't address them. Addressing them is the powerful part. And that becomes, that's why it's so important that we change our relationship to pain, that we understand its purpose, that we're not afraid of it, Um, that we, you know, we just have a healthier understanding of that. And that's something we talked about in episode two, um, that can be really critical in us changing our relationship there. We talked about that with, um, Dr. Will Blake. So if you haven't listened to that one, you can go back because this will be helpful. That's step one (laughs) in being able to, you know, kind of deal with this stuff is to help because we are just so hardwired instinctually to avoid that pain that that can be a real hindrance to our healing. And so this can be an important part of it. So what's interesting is when we actually face the pain, it can often lessen it. You know, we're no more, we're no longer resisting it. We're not avoiding it. And that becomes such a powerful piece of what we're doing in this process to move out of the triangle. And I love that idea that she put that term mitigate as an outcome that when we face it, we mitigate it. And a lot of times it's like we face it and it's not as bad as we thought, or it empowers us because we did get through it. We overcame it and we're able to move um, into that state of victory of that overcoming of it. So part of what actually drives that fourth reaction of face is faith, not fear. That's the big difference. Those other reactions are driven by fear. Facing is driven by faith. It's driven by self-efficacy, our belief in our ability to succeed, belief that the universe has our back. And it's created, this self-efficacy is also created through great gaining tools that help us to overcome Which creates successful experiences, which then further solidifies that belief that, hey, I can handle this. That's really important for us to know. So when I talk about facing, I'm going to ask you this. Does facing sound like a victim or a victor? A victor is someone who faces the battle, who is prepared physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. One who is armed with tools to empower and overcome one who understands the purpose of pain, one who is motivated by faith, not fear. Yeah, facing that fourth aspect, that fourth response that we can choose and change to choose so that we're able to choose that is victor. That is how, I mean, that is the place that we're going to. And in all the research on the victim triangle, the only way out of that triangle is taking responsibility, taking responsibility and healing this in a way that we can show up differently. It is important to understand that our responses to fear were developed for our survival. They're not inherently bad. Right, it kept us alive. It's why we're still here, and so it's important. And there's a lot of situations who we that we genuinely so grateful for those responses to keep us um, alive, to keep us okay. But it's when we stay in that reactionary state, when our behaviors are consistently driven by fear, that it's negative. It depletes our nervous system to stay in that reactionary state. It keeps us unconscious and reactive rather than conscious and responsive. It actually disempowers us over the long term. So this was a big light bulb moment for me and my journey overall. And I've shared pieces of this, honestly, throughout almost all the episodes. There's a tie back to this. And so it was nice to kind of bring this together as I made that connection, as we're talking about the victim triangle, that they are also the driver, the drivers for you know these these roles that we play. The knowledge and tools that I gained as I worked to heal helped me move out of these roles. They were critical in allowing me to face situations differently so that it wasn't like I was just now a victim. Now I'm no longer a victim to that initial situation, but then I became a victim to my own reactions, my emotions, my thoughts and behaviors. And that was also a big aha moment for me that even though the acute situation had changed until I did the healing work, and empowered myself with those tools to face the situation, my reactions in and of themselves were largely driven by fear. They were exaggerated because of the trauma. I had little to no control over, which continued to reinforce my belief of learned helplessness, which just locked me into victim mentality. And and so that, under this understanding of knowing that there's a different way to show up, there's a time and place for those reactions, but it's not about staying in them. It's about once the initial experience has um, happened and that initial 20 to 30 minutes, once you're safe, has come down. Now it's about, okay, now how do I heal from this? How do I move from this? And then as we're responding to similar situations or, or just situations in general, how are we showing up? Are we coming from fear? Are we coming from those reactionary responses? Um, Or are we showing up consciously and facing it with these tools that help us navigate this entirely differently? So this led me um, to work with Medicos Health Institute to create um, real-time tools. This was something that um, Dr. Will Blake had started in creation, and we collaborated on tools to help us identify those roles the beliefs and behaviors connected to those tools to help us work through cognitive distortions and those self-defeating beliefs, and then creating a time to reflect on those and reprogramming options to create lasting change. These are free resources that are going to be live when we release the next episode. And I will talk about those then as a final step to help us move from victim to victor. So there's just as a kind of, Summary from today, kind of these lessons on the hero's journey um, that I've learned in moving consciously from victim to victor is that there is a connection between fear responses, fight, flight, and freeze, and the roles in the victim triangle. There's a clear connection. This awareness helps us to understand that the behaviors in the victim triangle are driven by fear as a way to protect ourselves and avoid pain. So we can choose, the second main lesson is that we can choose a more empowered response. With focused work, utilizing effective resources, we can change our thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors so we can consciously respond rather than unconsciously react at appropriate times. And the third lesson, when observing your thoughts, emotions, and behaviors this week, ask yourself these questions because this was the lesson I learned. If I started to ask these questions, I could really get to what was driving this and understand the response and then um respond differently so ask questions like what am I afraid of is the perceived what is the perceived threat is it real am I over exaggerating it is it something that I have the tools to face would I feel better am I safe to face this can I move out of that victim role into this so just starting to explore those questions really just what am I afraid of what's the perceived threat um and what tools can I use to navigate that if I'm safe to do so can be incredibly helpful in starting to move us out of that. Give yourself a lot of grace in understanding that those reactions are automatic. They've been, those base ones are just physiological response, but we have other ones tied to those that are learned based on our experiences. So just understand where they're coming from and begin to explore the idea that there is a fourth option, that of facing from an empowered state. I appreciate you all so much for being here, for listening, for sharing. In the next episode, we're going to explore these real-time tools to help us respond to fear, identify the roles in the victim triangle, and take actionable steps to change our distorted thoughts and self-defeating beliefs associated with these roles. I'm so excited to share these with you. Because we're wrapping up this topic of moving from victim to victor, specifically connected to the victim triangle, I'd really like to see if you, as you've listened to these, have any questions that maybe you haven't answered or something you'd like me to talk about more. Um, So I'd love to also use the next episode as a time to answer questions. You can submit questions via email. Um, Just send them to pursuingperspective at gmail.com. And I will put that email in the notes. So send your questions. If there's something I haven't answered or something you'd like to explore more, I'd love to be able to do that in the next episode as well. I hope this awareness has been helpful for you. Um, I do believe, as many researchers like Lynn Forrest have identified, that truly that victim triangle is plays out in our life all the time with ourselves and others. And oftentimes, to really negative results and when we understand it we can start to change it and show up entirely differently where we're that victor facing those things um and it's just it just becomes such a different experience for us in life um to function from faith rather than fear and thinking about what's happening in our world right now um what are we what are we acting from um fear or or faith Action that is conscious and intentional for a positive response, not a reaction driven by emotion and fear and need. Where are we acting from? That can also help us show up better for ourselves and for the collective as we all hopefully continue to heal and to pursue growth and perspective. We all need that. We all need to grow in our perspective, in our understanding, in our compassion, in our grace, and in our healing. Because I do know this, our outward world is a direct reflection of our inner world. And that's why I am so passionate about this work. If we want our outer world to change, we have to get to work on our inner world. It is the best thing that we can do for the collective, So I look forward to connecting with you on this journey of healing and growth as we pursue perspective and progression. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today. For more podcasts and information on events, visit pursuingperspective.org.